ser benfiquistas tem uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befiga podcast, episode number 311. But uh, without further ado, let's get into uh, the Derby. Befiga played Sporting at the Alvalade uh, for the league uh, this past Sunday, and uh, it was it was it was quite an event, right? So I, I remember us last uh, week, Dave, here me saying that I was very confident ahead of this game. Uh, I think you said that you were cautiously optimistic. And Was... then I think I quickly changed that because I used that against Porto and going into the match, seeing uh, how Sporting uh, was playing. I think we I could should have been uh, a little bit more than cautiously optimistic. I called a 3-1 scoreline, so it was closer to 3-1. It was looking like it was going to be 3-1, but... Uh... Yeah, ended up being uh, somewhat like that. Calling a 3-1 scoreline is not cautiously optimistic. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> that's very optimistic. And Dave, I got to be honest with you. When I um, when when I watch these games, when I watch Mifiga games, I always take notes for the podcast. And uh, for the first time, I think I have two goals that I I jotted down, and I had to cross them over because VAR decisions call them back uh looking at these var decisions and i think that uh you, you know you probably remember them absolutely the right ones uh with the the joan felix being called the the foul before the goal correct yep, yep. yeah yeah um kind of harsh uh just on a per like a selfish level just because of how uh amazing of a goal that would have been for joan felix uh yep. outside of the box and just his talent, man. It, it's going to be really hard for us to uh, hold on to him. I really hope that we can keep him on for at least another season going past this one because this kid is just oozing talent uh, yeah. from the seams. And uh, I just hope that we uh, can keep him at least for another season. Yeah, but no, that, I very, very yeah, much I can't, can't that. complain about the, the foul on that one. But like I said, it just hurts because that goal was something special. Yeah, and while sometimes the VAR goes offline uh, when uh, there's games at uh, at the Dragão or whatever. Uh, this VAR was very much uh, online, and I think that uh, every time that the VAR got called in this game, uh, it was uh, it was the correct decision. But Benfica would finally get their second goal in the 36th minute. Uh, again, João, uh, João Félix uh, getting that goal, streaking in the middle of the two center backs, and and uh, I, be I believe it was Seferovic that found him or Pizzi found him in between the two center backs. I don't recall now, but uh, he put it away quite uh, quite nicely. So uh, Sporting would end up getting one back in the 43rd minute. We go into the locker room 2-1. Uh, but Dave, you, you look at this game and after the, the watching the first half, you got to think to yourself that Benfica is in complete control of this game. And surely after they come back from the locker room, there'll be more goals. Yeah, for sure. And once again, we've been saying this on podcasts for the last couple of weeks now. The score line does not put does not do any justice of how dominating this team is playing on the pitch. It was two one at halftime, but it 
once again could have been a lot a lot worse uh, for Sporting. Uh, even with a 4-2 scoreline, makes it seem that Sporting was somewhat in the game, but Sporting was nowhere to be seen at all uh, for the in this game. Yeah, and look, um, I got to be honest, uh, and we've talked about this now for the past couple of weeks and in, in the change that we see, but it, it's almost, uh, it, it, and maybe I'm conditioned still by by the, Ruvi, the Benfica's under Rui Vitoria, right, where we really couldn't play out of the back. Every time a team pressured us um, up front in, the, in, in our in our third, in our defensive third, we had an issue getting the ball out. We would resort to the long ball or the bombo, as uh, as many people have uh, have nicknamed that type of uh, a game. But it, it, but now it's like night and day. Benfica is super confident uh, playing out of back, playing out of the back to the point that it's almost. Uh, nerve-wracking to to watch them. And maybe, like I said, maybe I'm conditioned by what I had seen in the past and think that this team clearly has limitations to come out of the back and play. But the truth of the matter is that these players don't, don't stop knowing how to play. And if they have the technical ability that they have, why not play out of the back? Um, and when you have a lot of uh, the dynamics and players moving into passing lanes and players playing... In, in a supportive manner, it's a lot easier to play out of the back. And this is one of the things that Laj has brought to this Benfica team is the fact that the team uh, plays supported football. So if a guy has the ball, there's always a couple options that he could turn to. And there aren't always balls that you're going to that you're going to force uh, down between two guys. They're always easy passes and easy to read and easy to see. And this is one of the things that Laj as brought to this team, as I mentioned. So uh, to watch Benfica play out of the back, it's a delight. But I was, at the same time, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, Samadis was was caught in possession a couple times, missed a couple of passes, gave it a lot of turnovers. But overall, I thought that Benfica's defensive transition and something that has already been mentioned by Bruno Lage was impeccable and has been very good to the point that every time Benfica loses a ball, the team balances themselves out very well uh, into the defensive transition. I haven't seen a dominating performance uh, from Benfica like that against Sporting uh, in a very, very long time. And it was it was good to see. And you really, at the end of this game, Dave, you just feel that there should have been a lot more goals than just a four. Yeah, for sure. And what I was talking to you before we uh, started here, biggest takeaway for me was how we put up with Vitoria's style of play for so long. This was such a breath of fresh air that this was Benfica dominating another big club in Portugal, and we weren't seeing your typical old uh, Vitoria style where it would be a 0-0 or even worse, us losing matches, but putting a, a dominant uh, side, on, or side on the pitch here against Sporting was a breath of fresh air, and I just can't believe that we stuck behind Vitoria for so long and I hope it doesn't come to bite us in the ass at the end of the season but it's so great to see how well this team is responding uh, to uh, Bruno Lage now look it was it was very easy to see right if if you know anything about uh, about football and, and look I, I understand the guys that uh, they kind of grin and bared it right because as long as Benfica was winning all was good but the 
at the point that Benfica started losing, then that's when people started kind of turning or or, or turning their story, uh, really, or changing their their story. But uh, I mean, for you guys that that are longtime listeners of the podcast, I think um, from the very first year, Rui Vitória came along. Uh, Cristiano, uh, uh, Cristiano and Steve were were very big critics. Uh, Steve, right off the bat, was a big critic of of things that he saw that he didn't like with this uh, Rui Vitória team. Uh, Cristiano uh, and I kind of hung hung in there for a little bit with uh, uh, with with the wins, uh, but uh, but Cristiano was very vocal also about saying that uh, Rui Vitória didn't uh, didn't really have a, a style or a coaching ability to uh, take this team to the next level. And look, I know that everybody is ecstatic with uh, what Bruno Lage has been able to do so far. Um, I am happy that we had the, the coaching change. I am not uh, euphoric, if you will, at this point. Uh, I don't think anybody should be euphoric at this point. Uh, we have reduced the, the the gap that we had to Porto. But look, to me, this is perfectly normal. Uh, to me, this is what I expect from Bifica. This is what I expect from a team with this level of talent, with this level of depth. We have the deepest team in the Liga Noj and, and probably one of the best and most talented team when you look at uh, both starting 11 and also the 18 guys that get selected for every game, we have probably the best talent all around uh, in the Liga Noche with perhaps an exception of one or two positions where the other guys are better players. But this is the team that normally, under normal circumstances like these, they should be performing in the same manner as this one. So uh, I'm not euphoric. Uh, because this is what I expect from this team, a team that has this level and this caliber. And uh, Seferovic and, and uh, Jean Felix, hot, 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 hot. Yeah, they just keep on scoring. Now Seferovic is uh, scoring a goal every 87 minutes he's averaging, and Jean Felix is uh, bringing that number down. He's now scoring a goal every 95 uh, minutes. So these guys keep getting their uh, time uh, to shine, and they keep on producing. So... Good to see them uh, begging them in. And you know what? Like we discussed as well, they could have easily... I know João Felix missed a huge opportunity there in the middle of the uh, second half for uh, his brace, or it would have been his brace. And uh, they keep on missing uh, good chances here and there, but you know they also are still producing. If he could didn't really bring anyone in, per se, uh, as far as uh, they did promote four kids uh from from the b team so zlobin uh francisco ferro florentino jota uh were uh the players that came up for from the b team and, and look uh i know that there's a lot of guys out there that they were uh upset that benfica didn't do anything as far as moves as, as far as shoring up some of uh some of the the, the more uh the more the, the the weaker positions per se uh uh right back comes to mind uh perhaps center back also comes to mind with the uh exit of uh of lemma uh so there was a lot of folks uh unhappy because Benfica didn't didn't make any moves but uh if there's a guy and i think i might have written this on twitter if there's a a guy 
that knows what players that are available on the B team, what kind of characteristics they have, what kind of roles they could play, what kind of uh, what kind of talent they could bring to this A team is Brunlage, right? Because he pretty much spent half the season uh, plus the preseason with a lot of these players. Uh, these four players are all players that played um, under Brunelage that were staples uh, in Brunelage's starting 11s for the B team, which plays a very attractive uh, style of football. And these are guys that uh, that Brunelage trusts. Done with that. We turn our attention out to Nacional, and uh, you know I, I can't uh, mention Nacional's name without uh, without getting a little chuckle after what happened this uh, this past weekend. Uh, so Benfica played Nacional this past Sunday. This was uh, this got out of this escalated pretty quick. Uh, inside one minute, Grimaldo was getting a one nothing, and then um, after that, the goals just kept uh, rolling, and there was tons of. Uh, a waste, wasted opportunities, Dave. And I didn't watch this game live, but uh, you know, I, I did uh, watch it yesterday, and and I just, I just couldn't believe it. Dave, yeah. you watched it live. What were your feelings? Yeah. So uh, 30, 35 seconds in, and Grimaldo already scores. Uh, and I was thinking, the first half we did have a lot of wasted opportunities. It could have been again five nothing at the end of the uh, first half, and. I was sitting there thinking, oh, it's going to be another podcast where we talk about wasted opportunities. But at the end of the day, when you have a 10 nil scoreline, we can't really complain about uh, wasted opportunities because uh, it's not every day that the Benfica scores 10 goals in uh, the Portuguese uh, league. Not since, uh, I believe, 1964, they hadn't uh, uh, won 10-0. So we uh, had wasted opportunities in the first half, but then scored seven in the uh, second half and it was just uh, complete domination. Um, and you know what? I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be opposed to uh, a 10, nothing scoreline. I know there's uh, some fans out there and maybe some fans of the other teams that are saying, Oh, we should have taken it easy, but you know what? Benfica deserve this. And the and Benfica fans deserve this after what we've been through the last couple of, uh, years with with Vitoria and the, the boring style we watched game in and game out. Uh, this 10-0 uh, victory was a, a great result and uh, it was a, a present for us. But uh, I do want to mention something because uh, up here in Canada, there's a, uh, a hockey analyst, Don Cherry, who whenever Canada beats these uh, smaller countries in hockey, let's say 10-0, he always makes reference to the hockey gods, and the hockey gods will will find their way to uh, humble you after running up the score like that. So I hope the soccer or football gods don't uh, plan to humble us anytime soon, and we uh, just appreciate that 10 nothing victory. Yeah, they, look, there's definitely a, a, a mix of uh, reactions by some folks, and I'm not going to say. I think the majority of them are are non benfiquistas of course, as there's always something that they need to nitpick. Uh, there was a Simons actually came out and he he said uh, some some words, and I think it, most of his thing was really with the league uh, and the fact that there's such a disparity between the the clubs. But here here's my thing, right? Uh, as a professional, uh, you go out on a field. You get paid to perform. You get paid to uh, to beat your your opponents, whether it's individual duels or whether it's scoring goals or whether it's making an assist. 
I really don't feel bad that we ran the score and it could have been a lot more. Um, I think that there, there's obviously a human side to this right after the end of the game, the Nacional players were emotional. Some of them were, were crying as a result of the beating because obviously they're always going to be connected to a result like this. But nonetheless, they, they have professionals, right? Um, they're in the first division, the Portuguese first division. And as a result, they should conduct themselves as such. So I am not at all bothered by the fact that Benfica scored 10. I wouldn't even be bothered if Benfica scored 15. Uh, because this is our DNA. Our DNA is to go out and, and score as many goals as possible. And oftentimes here in the past couple of years, Cristiano and I always spoke about the Benfica we grew up watching. This was a Benfica that was never happy with the amount of goal scores, uh, goals that they scored. They would always go after the result. They would always try to score more. So to me, this this is the harmonious world of Benfica that I want to live in and that I want to witness. Benfica just dominating these teams, dominating these smaller teams. And regardless of the scoreline, I want my team to play every single minute to beat the other team, regardless of who the other team is, regardless whether it's a second, third, division, fourth division team. I always want my team to be not, not settle. And it, through the years with Rui Vitória, there was something that we always saw, the team that settled. It's a team that was defending against the Mureirenses of the world that would score one goal and would uh, would uh, would retreat back into their half, and then we would defend the result. This is not the team that I grew up with. This is not Benfica's DNA. So if we go out and smack a team 10, 15, 7, 8, 5, this is exactly what Benfica's DNA is, and I don't oppose uh, at all to Benfica scoring as many goals as they create opportunities for. It was too bad that we couldn't put more away, but really, this really demonstrates how dominating Benfica has been uh, through these times that uh, Bruno Lage has taken over. And uh, I, I am not going to apologize. And, and you know what? This is the same Benfica that we, if I need to remind people, that only beat Montalegre, third division team, one no, one nothing. So, you know what? If we if we asked that at the beginning of the season, we said Benfica was going to win 10 nothing a game this season. And we would have probably picked that Montalegre game. But instead, we beat Nacional 10 nothing. So no no complaints. Because for every 10 nothing win, there's a one nothing win against Montalegre too. So it all evens out at the end. It was great. It was a game where they uh, they celebrated Shalena's uh, birthday uh, uh, before the game. Uh, Shalena, who were the number 10 for the for the longest time at Bef or throughout his time at Befica. And... What's more fitting than scoring 10 goals for Shalana? We're not going to beat each team 5, 6, 7, nothing every time. Uh, but I think it's the quality of the product that you put on the field, right? When you put that quality of a product, you expect to see results. Uh, and when you're playing well and you're, you're playing the style of football that you're playing, the goals are going to come. So... The 10 nothing is completely natural for what we've seen from Bifika so far. And when you look at this roster from uh, number one to number 23 or 25 and the quality that exists within this, this roster, 
we can't expect anything less than this, especially considering the opposition that we're playing. And lastly, how do you uh, rate Bifika's chances uh, over the course of the two legs? Well, look, I was really impressed, uh, especially with the the first game at Alvalade. Uh, Benfica really looked like a very cohesive unit. Uh, Gabriel in the midfield uh, looked very good. I was particularly impressed, though, with Ruben Diaz and Jardel at the back, who were just impervious to uh, Sporting's incoherent uh, attacks. So what I'm seeing under uh, Lage is um, is is just a a very good team with very defined patterns of play, uh, and he's getting the best out of his players. So I, I really believe that given the what I've seen recently from Befica, they have a very good chance of of getting through to the next round. In fact, I put my money on them. Eric, always a pleasure having you, man. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for for coming in for a few minutes and just give us a little bit about Galatasaray. It's always always welcome, and obviously you're a guy that knows his stuff not only on Portuguese football but also on now Turkish football, but especially on Turkish football. So thank you a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for 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 coming in and 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 just give us this information, Dave. Uh, you know, I I can't I can't begin to tell you how how happy I am that Benfica has changed the way the way they're playing everything about Benfica makes me happy I wake up with a smile on my face I go to bed with a smile on my face I feel good I got a little spring on my step you know I'm happy I'm happy with this Benfica I'm happy with everything that's going on and today we got even better news Dave that Brunelage was renewed until 2023 how do you feel about that well, uh, I'm ecstatic. I hope uh, Luis Felipe Vieira finally saw the right lights <laughs> with this uh, contract extension uh, till 2023. So we have him for a uh, couple of more seasons. I don't think uh, Rui Vitoria ever got this large of a contract extension uh, with his tenure here, but the results show for it. Uh, in Laje, we trust, and everything that this guy has been touching right now is turned uh, into gold. He's got the Midas touch, so uh, time to uh, reward him with an extra contract extension here. Yeah, he does have the Midas touch indeed. Oh, 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 out of nowhere. Ladies and gentlemen, Cristiano whoa, Oliveira. Whoa, whoa, what's, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> You're doing the podcast without me? Hey, it's been like that for quite some time. I wasn't aware. I mean, <laughs> I, I need to get I, I need to get Bruno Lars' agent to, to, to work on my uh, negotiations with you guys. You guys are not supposed to be doing podcasts without me. Cristiano. What's up? Do you know how long you've been away from this podcast? Uh, longer than Rui Vitoria has been gone from Benfica. For sure. I but also that much. It depends, depends. Because the first time... He was supposed to go. That was your last episode. Was so last episode. That was yeah. your last episode. I got a, I got a couple things here, Cristiano. Uh, when you left, I'll, I'll give you, it was before the international break, round 10. Uh, Benfica was fourth, four points behind uh, Porto. And they we had just beaten Tondela, a team that coincidentally Porto uh, plays this round. This weekend. It's been quite a, quite a bit. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. You've but been? the good news is that, you know, uh, with my, uh, I was going to say a, a <laughs> bad word, but with without my negative comments about Benfica and, and Rui Vitoria and who may ever be, uh, may be, 
they've uh, turned it around. And this is why I, I, I decided to barge in today and, and participate here in, in a podcast today. Because with each passing round, my jealousy grew for you guys. Because you guys were having all this fun with, with Bruno Lage and 10-0 victories. And, and here I was, you know, suffering through 1-0 victories against uh, what, Valverde. What is it? What was the team we played uh, for the Tassel? What the leg? What the leg? It was close. I mean, nobody knows what the hell they are. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, man. So I, I figured I'd, I'd barge in today and listen, share sharing some of the fun that you guys have been having. It's been a tremendous, tremendous turnaround for Benfica. Um, I will admit, uh, maybe I should save some of this for you, but I'll just start answering uh, my own thoughts, which is I will admit that I, I did have my 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 reservations at first with Bruno Lage because, you know, I, I didn't want to hear about all this. He knows the poots, he knows the poots. But look, tremendous job by the guy. Um, yep. I, as much as I want to kill uh, President Senor Luis Vieira, for seeing the lights, I uh, kind of have to be reserved a little bit in my in my judgment here because he's he's hit this one uh, square on the head and it's been a fantastic hire. And I love the way the team has turned around. I love the confidence and not just the the youngsters but the veterans. Um, it's been really enjoyable to to watch this team uh, play the way they have, and I feel like I've got my Benfica back. Let's start with perhaps the. The, the ballsiest move by Bruno Lage so far in his young tenure as Benfica coach, right? Uh, Benfica travels to Turkey. As we know, the Turkish atmosphere at Turkish stadiums is always tricky, right? There it can be intimidating. So not only is Benfica going up there and playing in the, those conditions, but Bruno Lage decides to put in six players made in Seychelles. 22-year-old average. 22.9. 22.9. youngest out of all 40 teams that participate in European competition. Average. Six players made in Seychelles. Stop with that six. Stop. I, I just what? got on the podcast and I'm already getting a headache. <laughs> Stop with the six. Because Juan Felix is a starter regardless who the hell the manager is. Drew well, is a starter. Oh, yeah, but, but, uh, okay. All right. If you want to go that way. But those no. guys were playing anyway. I don't it's, want. It's a reason to be proud. I, listen, I'm, 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 I'm praising Bruno Lage as much as anyone. But for those guys. So, now, to have the balls. Florentino and Yuri. No, to have the balls to play Yuri in a joke, the solteiros contra os casados, that's balls. That's ballsy. And so I got to give him credit. And especially in a European game, wowzers. I mean, that was really ballsy. Look, as much as I want to praise the guy for playing everyone else and being ballsy, I, I, he must be the only one that sees the whole Yuri Ribeiro. Him and his uh, Yuri Ribeiro's family <laughs> and his girlfriend, probably, because <laughs> I don't see it. Do you know how big uh, Bruno Lage's balls are? This. His no. balls are so big that his left nut was on the Asian side of Turkey and his right nut was on the European Which side of Turkey. Which is a trivia question. That's a good point. Which is the only city that sits in two different continents? Istanbul. So that was that was relevant. Good job, Alfredo. <laughs> Thanks. Yo, his nuts were sitting on two different continents, huh? There it is. All right, it's out. Dave, when you saw this lineup, what was the first word that came to your mind? Putana or Putin? Putana. <laughs> when I saw Yuri, and then I saw how he played as well. But again, I, I don't discredit. I don't. I was never yeah. distrusting this coach. Uh, guys, believe me when I say this. I actually sat back and I gave the man benefit of the doubt because everything he's touched is turned into gold, with the exception of the Porto game, when we all know that that VAR decision. Even that, 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 that's, that, but that's that three one result that game, is the, which yeah. is the one. Was the one the factor on that he can control. The one, the one stain that he has so far that you could turn around and say, I don't care. which It's a stain he lost. So that's I'm going to give those people that side of it. So fine, that's a stain. But even that game, you can make an argument as to what he did right and what he did wrong. But 
get coming into this game and stuff. But I said, I'm gonna sit back. And a lot of people calling me and asking me, and I was like, people were shocked that I wasn't criticized. After the game, uh, I'll comment. But let me see. Maybe this guy knows something I don't know. Yeah. And 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 look, the guy, he's just um, every decision he's making right now, it, it's it, it's coming up roses. I think the players believe in themselves. I think the they believe in him also. The most exactly that's what I'm gonna say. The most important thing is that they believe in him, and he makes them believe yeah. that they're a part of the club and that they could play with anyone else. And uh, look, it, it's don't don't discard the factor that um, he's trained these kids at the youth level. These guys have a familiarity with this guy. I can't can I pronounce that familiarity. Word? Yeah, you familiarity, got it. For familiarity, I can't still can do it. Um, and you know they trust this guy because they've been with them from early on, and so um, you could definitely tell that on the players. And it, it looks like they enjoy playing foreign players or, or back with that with that chip on their shoulders. They're they're trying the little jugadas that they weren't trying before. It looks like the pressure's been lifted off their shoulders, and I think that they're just enjoying themselves at the moment. Right now, I I don't see any reasons as to why Benfica will come cr crashing down to earth. I think. Uh, the team is confident. I think the team is playing well. I think these little victories, and I understand some people might not prioritize the European League as much as others do, and hence, you know, and they'll point at at that makeshift makeshift lineup in Istanbul because, you know, basically telling you Benfica will prioritize the Campeonato uh, more so than they do the Europa League. And at this point, I can't even argue with them because I, I probably would do that as well. Um, right now, I would say uh, another. Uh Tough game was Benfica's uh, traveling up north. Always uh, tough to play Sportivo de Zavos. And, uh, Every team with the exception of Sportivo is up north. And Stuhl. Everybody else is up north. <laughs> what so, about Bolinz? Th th like no, who knows where they are this week? That's uh, west, <laughs> east or west. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like playing Bolinz is like playing musical chairs. You never know where you're going to end up. Because even when you see Benfica take the 3-0 lead on a goal by Ferro, scrum in the box, and the camera pans to Brun Lage. He looks like he's having a kidney attack in the bench. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's kind of like, uh, yeah, miserable. He, he was uncomfortable. He was not happy. It wasn't. It, I think he understood that the scoreline wasn't really telling the truth about the actual game. For large parts of it, you know, I've tried to dictate and try to create plays on their own. It wasn't total domination as we saw um, by the scoreline, as the scoreline will reflect, uh, reflect, I should say. Um, so look. Important three points, but yeah. let's forget about it. Keep it moving on, and let's get some more practices on the Brun Lage. They replaced him with Thiago Fernandes, uh, wow. 37, 37 year old who comes uh, from the Sporting system, coached their juniors this season. Do you know who his dad is? Oh, Mr. Fernandes. <laughs> Senor Fernandes. Do you, Dave? Bonus. No. Point. What about you? Is it? Do I know who Thiago Fernandes' dad is? Yeah. Brun Fernandes. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> Manuel Fernandes. Oh, the former coach. That was stupid. That was yeah, damn. That's his, that's Why didn't I put that to Sporting Manuel Fernandes? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, you, but you were close. You got Brun Fernandes. You got uh, the last name more, yeah, right at least. Yeah, but I, yeah, I remember Manuel Fernandes. It 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 really went quick, Cristiano. I don't know if it was because you were here, you dropped in, but it, it went extremely quick. I don't know how you. What about what about you, Dave? I, I, I I've got a I've got a question for uh, Cristiano since he's back. I like this. I like this. Yes, the question. The question on everyone's mind, especially on Twitter, are what are your thoughts about a potential Gabriel call-up to the national team? This uh... <laughs> Don't get him started. I think uh, I think at this point we'll be asinine <laughs> to uh, exclude him just because he's, you know, of he was born in Brazil. I, I think that would be uh, irresponsible. I think he's definitely a player that if he's um, 
caliber, if he's good enough to play at the Portuguese national team and he's available for a call-up, I, I think he should be considered. Obviously, he's just gotten to Benfica. It's irrelevant where he played at before, what club he plays for. I don't give a crap if a player's playing in China and he's of the caliber and he's good enough to play on the Portuguese national team. And I want to call up and he's eligible, which is most important. Is he eligible? And in this instance, uh, he does have a Portuguese passport. His grandma is Portuguese. So, um, I, again, I'm not telling you to call him up today. But to close the door on him just yeah. because he was born in Brazil, that's asinine and that's irresponsible by anyone with any type of authority on por Portuguese football. Um, and I think, uh, again, as I've stated on Twitter, and I'll, and I'll say it again, do not close the door. Don't be yeah. Know, don't be an asshole just to be an asshole. Before we get to that, though, before we get that, we're going to pull a little card here from our good friends at Benfica Bye FM. Yuga, uh, why don't you uh, tell our, our loyal listeners, our beautiful fans, our beautiful listeners that we talk to here, each week, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? How'd you become a Benfiquista? Um, just you know, give us a little bit of, of the old for you, Christian. Yeah. Well, how I became a Benfiquista—that's a tough one. I would imagine I was still in my dad's sack, <laughs> and I was already a Benfiquista. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's just a—it's part of the family. I have a uh, great grandfather that played for the club in the '40s and '50s, and then his son, my great uncle, played on the Benfica reserves as well. In the 60s, during the the Ozebu days and the Kluna days, um, it was that familiar. Um, you know, you know what I noticed there, Hugo, that as the generations <laughs> got older, the players got worse. You know, your grandfather played, your great uncle played in the reserves, and then you didn't even play at all. I mean, yo, it just it just went downhill. He plays blame, in FIFA. I blame my dad because he brought me to this country when I was a kid. If I was in Portugal, <laughs> I would have been like a João Felix. I'll start with you, right? So heading into this game, how confident were you? I know that we spoke about this in the last podcast, but tell the tell the people how, how confident you were. Roll back the tape, baby, and you'll see that I was as confident as I've ever been going into the Dragon. I thought Benfica was going to find a way to come out of there with the three points, and that's exactly what they, what they did. Um, Bruno Lage has been absolutely magnificent what he's done with this uh, with this ball club here, injecting youngsters and going into very tough uh, arenas, stadiums, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and get the three points. As we mentioned before, goes into Turkey, gets Benfica's first ever win in Turkey, goes into Stade de um, comes away with the not just the three points, but the the liderança and the Campeonato Portugues first time in in, in fifteen uh, match days that they regained first place again. It just Look, you got the youngest tandem ever. I mean, the youngest tandem tandem of center backs to play Stadio since nineteen. I mean, uh, does that Stadio do Dragon since nineteen ninety one? Usually uh, you say Ladrão. I do, but you know, whatever we won, <laughs> I don't even have to call them that. They tried. They tried their best to, to 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 you know to to get in there and you know and squeak their ways through uh through some bogus calls. But at the end of the day, Benfica was able to tough it out. Benfica went in there and played beautifully. Beautifully, absolutely beautiful. Got a little luck, but in, you know, in times like this, you do need some luck sometimes to uh, to come over with the victory. That's exactly what they did. My confidence level was as high as 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 it's been in a very very long time. And again, how could you not be confident after what we've seen Benfica do under Bruno Lage? Cristiano, do you know how big uh, Jean Felix's balls are? How big? <laughs> They're so big, he could teabag Pep and Philippe at the same time. <laughs> So Benfica comes out of the locker room uh, and, and really hit the ground running just like they had finished the half. And it wasn't too long before uh, Rafa found the back of the net. Uh, Cristiano, were you surprised at all that, that Rafa was able to find the net? Yeah, listen, 
That was impressive for a guy that we criticized so much, or I should say, I criticized so much that he couldn't score in a whore, in, at a whorehouse with when it was a stack of hundreds. <laughs> he found a way to find the net, and uh, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful to see the celebration. Um, and if you guys notice, I don't know if you caught it on TV, but the guys weren't pleased with just the two to one lead. They sell, they were celebrating after. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Vamos por mais, vamos por mais. They were look. This team was very motivated, man, and and very inspired to to get the three points and retake the lead. And it was just beautiful to watch. Rafa, phenomenal. It was just, I mean, look, yeah. he had a. I mentioned last week here on the podcast that he's Benfica's most dangerous player. Doesn't necessarily mean he's the best player, but he's the most dangerous player because you can't teach speed, and and that always gets the other team off balance. And that's exactly what he did. He had that one chance and he put it away. Credit to him. He had another chance a couple minutes later and he shot it just wide. And that's more what we're accustomed to. <laughs> but we got to praise him for that one he got on net. And, uh, you know, it's his 13th goal of the season. I think it's the most goals he's ever scored in his career in any single season. So this guy is finally showing everyone why Benfica paid $16 million for him, which is still, till this day, uh, a, a transfer record between club, a Portuguese club to Portuguese club in the league. So phenomenal job by him. Um, and phenomenal job by everyone else. I mean, there's plenty of players that you could you could praise your Samadis, a guy who I've said plenty of times that he's not necessarily caliber for, you know, to be starting 11. He had a phenomenal game. Just that one court, that one interception or deflection, I should say, late in the second half where uh, Herrera was behind him, where he's able to intercept, get his foot on the ball and deflect it out for a corner. That right there was worth his whole salary for the year. Um, I thought Ferro was absolutely phenomenal, taking on the very physical play of Marek. I thought Ferro was the best player on the pitch, aside from who, in my uh, mind, my estimation, was the best player on the field until he got a red card, and that was, and that was um, Gabriel. Gabriel. I thought he was man of the match. But <clears throat> once he gets the red card, I thought Ferro overtook that, and I think he's just, for a youngster, a guy who, look, man, Alfredo, <laughs> you and I have been at this for a long time. Yeah. And you know very well that I, I don't mind eating crow, and especially when – it benefits my team and I'm wrong. I love it. I love it. I love to be proven wrong. And I, I, I got to eat crow. Um, I, I've said it countless times that I don't think Ferro is anything special. I didn't think Ferro could play at this level. He looks too stiff. You know, he's not athletic enough. But this guy is just, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I mean the guy is a lot better with the ball at his feet than I ever anticipated. Um, he's very physical. He's fast. There's nothing that this guy can't do. Yeah. And then you pair him alongside well, Ruben Diaz, who I thought Ruben Diaz was better. Ruben Diaz still, to me, is quicker and Brut. a little bit more, 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 yeah, I was going to say more aggressive. He doesn't have the feet that no. Ferro, the Ferro's just, I mean, look, this guy has been a pleasant surprise along with Florentino, along with all these kids who were coming up from the B team. But in this game, you have to tip your cap to who had phenomenal games. Almeida News, you had a good game as well. You have to, you know, praise the guy. But, yeah, there, you know, Ferro to me was the one that stood out the um, most. Very, very different styles. Benfica tries to play out the back, tries building up play, tries to get 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 lanes involved, get you know different sectors of the game. Where Porto is very direct. Porto gets the ball and it's up to Marega and tries to get Marega hold up play and get his teammates on, and then he lays it off. It's a very different style of playing. And 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 unfortunately for Porto and unfortunately for Benfica, they weren't able to overpower Benfica with that physicality because. The likes of Ferro and, and, and Ruben Diaz, they could stay step for step with the Marega, even yeah. though I'll say Marega, <laughs> his teammates are like they were in third gear. My man was in seventh. I mean, Marega, that Don't dude, be. for a guy who hasn't played in, in, in two months, <laughs> that, that was the guy fit. That that horse That's placenta that. did wonders. Big, big, huge uh, three points for Benfica that allow us to uh, leapfrog Porto and uh, the table. Uh Cristiano, we, we spoke about um, 
what kind of mental edge this would give either team if the result were to go this way. Um, how, how are you feeling about that? How do you feel this leaves uh, both Porto and leaves Benfica? How do you, uh, what kind of mental state do, do you think this, this result uh, leaves it, each team in? I think Benfica right now is in, in cloud nine. I think, you know, obviously the toughest game of the season for them is going into the Dragão and, and, and at any time, any season. And they were able to go in there and play uh, very good football when they had 11 guys. Obviously, I had to defend and, and backtrack a lot when, when they were down to 10. But Benfica was able to impose their football, was able to do whatever the hell they whatever the hell it was that they wanted to do. And um, I think right now they're sky high. I think uh, – You know, only themselves could trip themselves up. I don't think it's going to be any team in the Portuguese league that's going to be able to do it unless they they themselves don't perform to the level that they're expected to perform. Porto on the other side, it's devastating. Obviously, you lose both games of the season um, to, to, to Benfica and a Campeonato, I should say. They lose both games. And, you know, it, it's it's never pleasant to, to, to lose and didn't give up the, the leadership of the Campeonato. But that being said, look, let's be realistic about things. I think Porto now falls two points behind Benfica and they'll be ready to pounce on any slip up that Benfica has. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of the Campeonato as a lot of people are saying, uh, there's still 10 games to be played. And I think Sergio Conceição and the Portistas and directors are telling their, 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 their players exactly that. And to be ready and play their best football. I, I know they're, 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 you know, they must've lost some confidence, um because of this performance but again there's plenty of season to be had and uh you know anything that can help them on the sidelines will be on their side and i think that uh it's you know it's up to benfica now it's really up to benfica now because if they don't win the campeonato there'll just be three meaningless points at the dragon i think they absolutely um have to come out play their best football i think brunelage will have these guys ready um with rotations and motivation because obviously anyone could play at any moment on this roster um so look Different ends of the spectrum, but I still think that the mentality on both sides is still uh, gunning for that first place. I think the, the biggest key to Laj is that um, he has 25 players who believe in him and his system. Um, whereas in years in years past, well, let, let's reflect on, on early on in the season. I mean, Rui Vitoria's lineups were 13, 14 guys, no more than that. There was no rotation, uh, not even in League Cup games. Um, so that's the biggest uh, element that I, that I believe Bruno Laj brought. Uh, you look at the resurrection of, of Samadish, for example, which is a player that I love. Um, you look at João Félix, who's now as João Félix Maisdes, every lineup. Um, even Florentin coming in. I mean, the kid looks like a stud. Obviously, Fer, to me, is is going to be uh, a player that we're going to speak about for a long time. Um, I hope it's in a Benfica jersey, but obviously that's that's probably not realistic. Um, and then I, even André Almeida looks like a different player, uh, to be completely honest. Um, and, and obviously Sferovic is dangerous in scoring goals. Uh, so I, I believe that's what Laj brought is that element of uh, locker room unity, the, uh, the element of every player is important, and, and he proves it. Um, and I think he's going to prove it again on Thursday because I think he's going to rotate um, some, some, uh, some members of the squad for, for Thursday's game. Nine recuperated points since since Lajes took over. Uh, a different attitude, but there's there's a lot more here. You have a a, a bunch of stats here uh, from Benfica hadn't beaten Port in both stages of the campeonat since 2005-2006. What else? They also hadn't beaten uh, Porto and Sporting away in the same season since 1990-91. Uh, and uh, some comparison. Uh, Brunelage against Porto and Sporting, three wins, one loss 
in four games. And the, uh, it took Rui Vitoria to get three wins. Uh, it took him 16 games. So he had three wins, seven draws, and six losses. So, Look, three points are important, but the way Benfica was able to impose their football and the way Benfica have played on the Bruno Lodge, that's what I'm most confident about. You know what I mean? They could have came away with a draw, and I still would have been confident had they played the yeah. same way. It's the attitude. way that the attitude is, the way that they're playing. I mean, this is not a guy that is scared to attack. You saw Benfica's down to 10 men, and he doesn't all of a sudden start throwing in defensive-minded players. He makes like-for-like substitutions. And it's like you, you start asking yourself, like, what are you doing? Florentino's a defensive player, and you're still on the side. And he's, he's ignoring that. He's ignoring what we've been grown, you know, what we've grown to to see or so accustomed to see at Benfica. And, he, you know, and it's just he's going against the grain, and it's been absolutely beautiful to see. So I think, yes, I'm staying very low-key, but I'm very excited deep down inside at the way that this club's playing football. I mean, they've, they've been doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 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 whatever, 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 whatever. Enough <laughs> bubbleness. Benfica's playing at home. They just be Porto on the road. If you want to be taken seriously, they have to win this game at home. And I'm ultra, I'm ultra confident because it is at the start of the lose. They don't have to play on that potato field that, that they played against uh, whatever the hell it was. It was Lama everywhere. I think it was Stuhl, if I'm not mistaken. Now, playing at start of the lose behind their 55-plus thousand fans. I think Benfica will be motivated, especially after this huge win at the Ladrão. It'll be exciting times. Benfica's going to score four or five uh, and come over with three points and just run right over them. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for uh, checking us out. We will be back next week. We'll, next week, we'll recap uh, both the Zagreb and the Bolinsk game. And we'll look ahead to uh, the second half of the, uh, the second leg of the Zagreb and whatever Benfica has coming up uh, next weekend. So thank you uh, so much and uh, talk to you again next week. Arrivederci. Later. Later.